March 7th, 1876. Alexander Graham Bell receives a patent for an invention he calls the telephone, and everyone else calls the conversation tube. Welcome to The Revisionist. I'm Brian Flynn. Hi, I'm Zach Powers. And hey, uh, look who's back. Oh, no! <laughs> I'm, I'm, <He's> naked. <laughs> I have to say, just right off the bat, we always... This is uh, where we're pulling back the kimono for a second. Oh, God. Uh, at the beginning, the at the beginning of uh, every episode, we usually have multiple jokes for the opening joke. Mm. And one of Brian's was this may not have been used about Bloomberg ads. And even by the time this comes out. It may be dated. It's going to be like the fastest dated joke that we've ever had on the show, because if Bloomberg fails on what will to the listeners be last Tuesday, he apparently has no more spending lined up. Wow. Oh, thank God. Uh, yeah. If it- I can just say millennials who are complaining about Bloomberg ads, um, do you not know what a fucking ad blocker is, or are you just lazy? Like, no, not ads. The fl- the calls and the text messages is more oh. more the thing. See, I've only gotten uh, calls from India giving me free cruises. So, <laughs> yep, oh, yeah, you've been on forty three cruises so far. Is that right? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. all. I you mean, are, you great. are, in terms of our guests, the number one in terms of cruise attendance <laughs> by far. Well, not attendance, but I do have, I've been told the tickets are in the mail. Oh, okay. So, so uh, you're going to spend all of myself. the next, all the next three years, you're going to be on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> all it cost was a bunch of iTunes gift cards. Yeah. Tomorrow, you're, blood type. <laughs> you're heading out to the Atlantic tomorrow and we won't see you until 2025 <laughs> or never. Yeah, yeah. Hey, if anyone wants to give me a free cruise, my social security number, I know you need it. It's 078. Uh, I'm not going to go further into my actual yeah, your social, social We all know your social. It's 078 cruise. Just type in the letters for cruise. I had it changed. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, cut. Uh, this is a pod. If it's cruise me, no, <laughs> no, it, it cruises the right number of. Right, I think six. it's too short. It's uh, nine letter, nine numbers for the social security. I think so. I think it's too short, but that's okay. Well, no, because cruise has six letters, right? Because there's an I in there. Oh, you. I was for some no, reason. That, yeah, yep. No, no you're, you're right. right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, that yeah. made my entire English degree worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do know how to spell cruise for the record. <laughs> I just did the math part wrong. <laughs> um, regardless, this is a podcast. You might know that already. Um, if you're listening, if not, uh, welcome. We start at square one. Jesus. Podcasts are a, <laughs> a me- like a replacement for radio that you can listen to on demand that became popular in the mid 2000s. 
So yeah, and now I, I can hear you asking, how do I choose a good podcast? Well, first, <laughs> you've made a mistake in assuming that there is such a thing. Yeah. But um, there's 99% invisible <laughs> and the rest. Yeah. Basically, um, you have two options. People uh, who are going to tell you about gruesome, gruesome murders. And then also people ad-libbing comedy that usually doesn't work out. Right now, yeah. you've chosen the second that sometimes <laughs> is the first. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's uh, it's three goofuses over talking each other, which is my favorite genre of podcast. Yeah. The, the goofus genre. Now, unfortunately, you can only choose white men. <laughs> <laughs> white men who, in this instance, look like... Three stages of the same animal. Yeah, it's like that Michael Keaton movie Multiplicity. Like each of us is a multiplicity clone of the same person, and neither none of us are the main guy. We're all yeah, no. yeah we're all the three. <laughs> we're all like the fucked up Michael Keaton. Yeah, One we're all the perfect. bad parts of his personality, like in different ways. <laughs> You say Birdman? I did say Birdman, <laughs> yes. That's how I address that movie, because I don't respect it that much. Yeah, that has... Oh, what's the subtitle of that? Like, the total ignorance of being alive or something? Or the unexpected value of ignorance or something like that? Yeah, what a pretentious fucking <laughs> subtitle. This is a podcast. Uh, what we do... What we do on this podcast is we talk about a person or event... From history. This uh, person this week is Nathan Earl, comedian in Denver. Yes, we did yeah. not fully introduce you. We just got... <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, fucking I was looking up Birdman. <laughs> Nathan Earl is here. Apologies. Uh, uh, we're all over the map tonight. Yeah, uh, Birdman is... That's that uh, movie about the Superman clone who gets his powers from the Red Sun and uh, has a group of teens to help him out, one with the robot wings. Uh Old Hanna-Barbera cartoon. I'm not sure how much deeper I need to go into this. Yeah, there was an Adult Swim show about it. Several. Yeah. Uh, sorry, the, the actual subtitle is The Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, which is somehow worse. Cool. So what you're listening to right now is <laughs> The Revisionists or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. <laughs> um, oh, uh, we have Nathan Earl with us. Denver Hooray! comedian, um, uh, host of "Take Care of Yourself" podcast, which I was Woo! yeah you on were a on. recent episode of yeah. So uh, for the the listeners, if you like uh, three people over talking each other, uh, Michael Eisner, uh, nope, Michael Eisner, <laughs> co-host Boy, of your podcast, this is a connecting Disney CEO Michael Eisner, <laughs> Michael Eisner, Michael Eisner. So <laughs> me and the CEO of Disney, uh, we sit down each week. Uh, me and comedian Michael Jeffries, who I assume has been a past guest or future guest here, mm -hmm. um, uh, each week we will, well, no, every other week, we will do a local comedian's uh, self-care, which can range from doing the keto diet to flossing to drawing our emotions, uh, and then we talk about the comedian's self-care with them uh, in a long, hour-long interview. Uh, and meander around to topics of comedy and self-care and, you know, just general uh, uh, talking about our mental states and how bad they are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Now, you might be saying, Nate, uh, okay. <laughs> comedians are fairly famous for having terrible self-care. 
Uh, and I would say to you, that's the bit. Uh, <laughs> it's also perfect. worth noting that the mental states, like, on a scale of one to seven, one being the worst, are probably never above a three or a four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, About a f- I'm a, yeah, I'd say five. Four yeah. or five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, are you a comedian, though? Yeah. You've, <laughs> you've convinced Sorry. yourself you're a four or five. You're about a two in real life. <laughs> uh. We're about a year away from you complaining about your wife into a microphone. <laughs> Never would. Um, what do we do on this show, actually? <laughs> All right. Give it that we're 45 minutes in. All right. Uh, so we talk about a person or event from history. And one person gives the sort of official government-sanctioned, sanitized, fucking mainstream media account of that person. Yeah, all that shit about that person or event from history. Uh, And And another- Someone else gets a little Illuminati with it, which is- Right. You can't see it, listeners, but I'm making a face. And it is smiling, because that was- Hi, Larry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Another person gives another account that is possibly the real account, but can be as crazy, batshit, bananas, insane as that person wants. Uh, It could have Batman. Unexpected value of ignorance. It could have weird sex positions. It can... (laughs) It could literally be the summary of the movie The Invisible Man starring Elizabeth Moth, but The Invisible Man is... Elizabeth Moth? <laughs> Elizabeth Moth, and... <laughs> Which is the Mothra version of Elizabeth... <laughs> yeah. But except in this version, The Invisible Man is Dostoyevsky. Like, that could be <laughs> the alternate version. It's whatever. And at the end, we vote on what becomes the true history of this brilliant blue spherical jubilant dying marble we call the earth (laughs) (laughs) jubilant and dying uh going forward and that is the premise of this podcast last time we talked about konstantin chaylovsky it's been like 10 days i've forgotten how to pronounce this russian ass name is this Um, the the episode you just did with katie bowman yes it is Ah, the results are not in so stay tuned and uh you know as of recording they're not in voting Mm -hmm. should be closed by now um but uh stay tuned for those results Uh, and the winner michael bloomberg fuck god damn (laughs) he's back in it he gave us sixty thousand (laughs) dollars um this week however we're talking about uh Someone who's less of a Leninist, socialist, communist, and more <laughs> of a actual Nazi, Werner von Braun. <laughs> so we're jumping the political spectrum a little bit. Uh, I believe that Brian is doing the actual history. Yes, indeed. Yeah, and Nate's doing the alternate. Yes. So we're going to start with Brian. All right. Um, Whenever you're ready. And uh, listeners, I will say also, uh, in great uh, revisionist tradition, I am sick also. (laughs) Um, I have the immune system of, I guess, an 
elderly character on The Simpsons. Uh, <laughs> Hans Molman. So, if you hear sniffling, or I sound especially nasal, that's why. Also, listeners, uh, me too! <laughs> so Perfect. And hashtag me too, why not? <laughs> <laughs> that's not what that hashtag oh, means, Zach. Oh, no. no, hashtag you know, me I too. Would, I the... found out last week uh, John Hamm was caught. Uh, giving the sniffles to an underage okay. PA. So. <laughs> I thought for a second it was going to be a real story about him doing something bad. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, anyway. <laughs> was that clap and edit, Mark? Maybe. Keep that in. <laughs> That's my brand. I'm a truth teller. Sometimes uh, I add the clap, Mark, as, a, as, a, <laughs> as an additional goof. Um, so I will say right off the bat, um, a lot of this research comes from uh, PBS American Experience, specifically an article written uh, by Michael J. Neufeld, uh, and also uh, Sweet Mother Wikipedia. Um, so we're going to The start patron off. saint of this podcast. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, if you're not going to donate to us, donate to Wikipedia. Um, or like an actual donate. news source. <laughs> Um, yes, jo- join our Patreon and donate to our cause of bringing you weekly nonsense. Bi-weekly. Bi-weekly I'm not nonsense. fucking doing weekly. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> um, so we're going to start off in December of 1968, um, which is when the Apollo 8 uh, mission uh, successfully orbits the moon. And in the control room watching that is the director of the Marshall Space Flight Center. I I do like this non, like, this Pulp Fiction non-chronological approach that you're taking to the life of (laughs) Werner von Braun. We're usually very chronological on this show. I like how I'm also sort of building suspense to revealing (laughs) who it is, even though we've said his name already, like, twice. I'm just, I'm waiting for the moment where... Uh, in the control room is Werner von Braun, and he turns to the camera and goes, "Now you may be wondering how I got." Yeah, record skip. Yep. <laughs> well, you may be wondering how I got here, and it presents. You may be wondering how I got here. Well, it involves the Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, Werner von Braun, director of Marshall Space Flight Center, um, one of the most famous. Uh, public faces of America's space program, uh, responsible for articles and magazines, newspapers, uh, films with <laughs> Walt Disney. Responsible um, for all of those things. <laughs> responsible for. Lay them um, at his feet at the, at the gates of heaven. <laughs> this article you have spawned. When Anubis weighs his heart against a feather. <laughs> you. Um, I forgot you were... <laughs> <laughs> a devout Egyptian. <laughs> hey, man! Look, it's coming back. <laughs> um, so, uh, not a lot of people knew that six weeks prior to that event, um, Werner von Braun had been called to testify by a West German court in the trial of three SS officers uh, who were. Um, Guards at the Mittelbrau uh, Dora concentration camp. Um, and Von Braun eventually testified um, and publicly distanced himself uh, from events that took place 
uh, a long time oh, ago, and I didn't have a did transition he? to he... this. Sorry, Willow's also trying to climb on the table. Wait, wait, wait. When called to testify in 1968 about the Holocaust, he said he wasn't involved? He didn't <laughs> go with the route of saying, actually, yeah, that was something that was... I was fully involved with. <laughs> this is actually weird. Um, surprisingly the basis of uh the song it wasn't me (laughs) by yeah originally by the andrew sisters (laughs) what is that guy's name god damn it shaggy yeah oh my god how did i forget shaggy yeah i mean of course american treasure shaggy the one the one artist still on everyone's the non-animated shaggy Hmm? the non-animated shaggy yeah the other shaggy (laughs) Well, no, he has that one lyric, nobody here but us chickens. Uh, yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> that was one of my favorite animated Shaggy lines. Oh, okay. I've not actually seen Scooby-Doo. Um, Wait, what? Yeah. American it's... classic Scooby-Doo. <laughs> You're just a Shag man. You're just a Shag fan. <laughs> uh, He's the Shag man. <laughs> eventually outdone, of course, by Shaggy 2 Dope, the sequel that was... <laughs> More dope. (laughs) (laughs) Back to the Holocaust guy. (laughs) I wonder why we're riffing continuously. (laughs) Well, yeah, we'll need some of that. And this is the closest I think we're going to get to breaking our show's promise of never doing the Holocaust. That's true. To be Mm. fair to Werner von Braun, he was a Nazi scientist, but his involvement with the Holocaust was... As we'll far as I'm that. aware, minimal, but yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, so, Werner von Braun was born in 1912 to a uh, Junker family, which is sort of German aristocracy. Um, his family was very conservative, very involved in nationalism. Very politics. conservative. Yeah. <laughs> very conservative. Not quite as conservative as things got well that's surprising because it eventually joins the nazis which were a socialist party no we're not kidding <laughs> listeners he knows that's wrong uh he's just trying to get i love goose. i love that argument because like the idea is like well the nazis said they were socialist and i'm like yeah they lied sometimes <laughs> <laughs> they're nazis they also said they weren't killing all the jews yeah <laughs> Uh, Jesus. Um, his father, Magnus, was a civil servant. His mother, uh, Emmy von Quistorp, um, was of royal ancestry. Um, and he had brothers, Sigismund, uh, who served as a secretary of state in the foreign office in the 1970s, even. And, uh, his other brother, Magnus, who was a rocket scientist with him and later an executive at Chrysler. Um, Fuck, really? Yeah. Oh, uh, we didn't get a rocket-powered car. Good job, <laughs> Nazis. We had Nazis in Chrysler and Ford, and we got none of that shit. <laughs> yep. Um, anyway, uh, when he was uh, a young child, his mother got him a telescope as a gift, um, which I read that, and I was like, okay, yeah, that fucking, that slaps. Um <laughs> Uh, which awoke in him a passion for the stars and astronomy um, that 
he uh, he made, he really focused all of his schooling on science and math bullshit space stuff. Yeah, um, science and math bullshit. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's called women in STEM and bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Girls who English. code and other shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I said, English major. Um, <laughs> so he went to uh, university in Berlin, and there he joined the Verein für Raumschiffart. Uh, Raumschiffart, sorry. Um, oh, the VFR, <laughs> or Rocketry Society. Uh, as opposed to the Russian segments, which I dread speaking, even though I'm probably just as bad with my German pronunciation, I look forward to a lot Well, of it. your correction was to change the last syllable to fart. Yes, indeed. Uh, F-A-H-R-T. Okay. Uh, I mean... <laughs> look. <laughs> um, yeah, it is what it is. So while he was a uh, part of the the fart so- the rocket society, uh, he was scouted essentially by the German <laughs> army. Um, and in 1932, the army offers to pay for him to uh, get his doctorate if he focuses his studies on uh, liquid fuel rocket propulsion. Hmm. Uh, so that's in 32. In 33, um, Hitler comes to power. <laughs> Um, he, I mean, he had been chancellor already, but the Nazi party, like, won the election Yeah. Um, at that point. Um, and von Braun was a right-wing nationalist. Uh, he never really expressed interest in Nazi ideology or anti-Semitism, but that was also a large part of the German society that allowed the Nazis to take power was people on the right who didn't necessarily espouse anti-Semitism, but were fine with it. Yeah. Essentially. Sound familiar, America? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, cough, cough. Um, so as, um, as the government, the Nazi government poured more money into his research, the sort of more enthusiasm he showed for the party. Um, no. So... It's a coincidence. Yeah. In uh, 33 and 34, he was part of an SS horseback riding group. What? <laughs> yes. Um, SS Questrians? <laughs> Equisus? No. <laughs> um, dressage? No. <laughs> um, Do you have any juice? Do you have any juice under the horse? <laughs> Clip clop, clip clop, clip clop. Um, they're sugar cube. Sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> which it seems like a more social aspect of the SS that is still part of the SS. Um, in 1937, at age 25, he was serving as the director of the army. A rocketry center at Penamunde. Um, and at that point, he is asked formally to join the Nazi party, um, which he does because... Formally. He was asked formally. He got a little, just, like, got a little note in class that said, yeah. do you Wasn't join the already... Nazi party? <laughs> the note said, do you join the Nazi party? Yes, no, <laughs> and then below that, no also means you'll be executed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's... Maybe. Uh. Um, 
so uh, in he does, and then in 1940, uh, Heinrich Himmler um, asks. Uh, in I wrote invites uh, von Braun to become an SS officer, um, and von Braun was like, "Give me some time to think about it." And then went and talked to his supervisor to be like, mm-hmm. what should I do? And the supervisor was like, look, it's going to be bad for the program if you don't do it. Uh, so he does. And by 1943, he's become a major in the SS. Um, and it's one of those things where a lot of the things I came across kept reiterating that like a lot of what he did, he seemed to do to keep his research alive. Um, Got to learn to fucking ride these horses, yeah, uh, <laughs> which and like, other things. I, yeah, and I'm like, it's always like it's hard to say what someone actually believed based on like just like based on retrospect. Mm-hmm. It seems kind of shaky to me that he is like just just in it for the research money, but they're. Um, I don't know, there's evidence of both sides for that. <laughs> um, so as part of his work, he develops like an anti-aircraft missile um, and like fucking fuck shit, um, fucking rocket planes. Um, <laughs> but his the thing he's most known for uh, in his work with the Nazi government is developing the V-2 rocket, um, which the V in V2, I can't remember. I didn't write down the full yeah. German phrase, but it stands for Vengeance Weapon. Oh. Vengeance Weapon 2, which they was did, a uh, full-on Hitler propaganda move. They did six more iterations of that rocket, and it became God a juice. <laughs> you fucking beat me to the punch, Zach, you ass. <laughs> um, so... Um, I could have had a V8. Anyway. <laughs> God damn I'm it. sorry. I could have had the V8. There we go. Uh, um, so the V2 um, is one of the first like ballistic missiles, um, meaning it accelerates under its own power and then the engines cut off and it sort of descends. The It was designed to also have – it had like a – sort of a whistling sound uh, that when it was coming down was meant to sort of demoralize the people it was bombing. They're going to die anyway. Yeah. <laughs> That's such an asshole move. <laughs> to, to quote comedian Jose McCall, I thought that's what the bomb part did. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, At least let the them show. like not be terrified for the last few minutes, like few seconds of their life. Um. It just plays the blue die you. It's, it's literally strategically a bad idea because maybe some people could co- find cover or hide. It's <laughs> yeah, just I mean, to be a dick. Yeah. Um, yeah, the uh, 1944 is like when the V2 attacks start in London. Um, and I forget if it was like at a, like a party uh, or something that someone... Uh, that Von Braun was reported to have said, uh, quote, the rocket worked perfectly except for landing on the wrong planet. Um, because his art, a lot of what he kept saying was that, like, he really wanted to send people into space, not 
blow shit up. Uh, but this led uh, Mort Saul, uh, one of the sort of godfathers of political satire, um, to falsely attribute a quote to him that was like, I aim, I aim for the stars, but sometimes I hit London. Uh, <laughs> which is pretty good. Um, and so the V-2 rockets, um, and this is where Von Braun's involvement in the Holocaust uh, comes more to the fore. So just a forewarning on that. Um, the V-2 rockets were built um, using slave labor at the uh, Mittelbrow Dora concentration camp. Uh, specific- Vengeance rocket! Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, specifically at, like, an off- slightly off-site factory called Mittelwerks. Um, so, which, at a minimum, uh, 2,882 people are known to have died building the rocket. There's probably more than that given that like thousands of people were transported away from the camp being like sick or on the edge of death um so and that's also more people uh than the number who died in the actual rocket attacks that's Um, i mean roughly 9 11 yeah yeah exactly um granted it's like subsumed under the whole umbrella of 12 million people dead as a result of the holocaust sure that individual number alone uh it works out to about six people dead per rocket um that's can i say not great numbers for a rocket (laughs) (laughs) my ideal rocket would have zero people dead per rocket (laughs) yeah exactly Ideal rocket goes up on uh, like sunny sun, sunny summer afternoon. I'm just saying for like the effort that he's putting in, you want at least double digits. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm, six people dead in the manufacture of the rocket. Oh, in- okay. <laughs> no, yeah. We're talking about the people who made them. <laughs> Not All the right, result. I may be zoned out for a <laughs> Yikes. Um, so uh, Von Braun uh visited the plant on many occasions uh toward the plant and later said he was um aware of the conditions and of the treatment of the people kept prisoner uh but felt helpless to change the situation which it's nazis so mm-hmm. yeah i i understand that but you're still doing it i don't so, um, oh no, stop making me use these slaves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, it seems kind of milk toast. There, there are some, some anecdotes that say that he forwarded uh, reports of attempted sabotage to authorities, which was responsible for certain of the prisoners being executed. Yeah. That, hasn't necess- that hasn't necessarily been corroborated. There was also an incident where a French physicist uh, was taken prisoner, and von Braun was like, hey, come build stuff for the Nazis, because <laughs> uh, that was his bag. Um, and in order to try to convince the French physicist... It's a phys- fun time <laughs> yeah. for everyone involved. I'm fine with it. <laughs> um, that was Werner von Braun, not me. In order to convince the French physicist to come over, he had... Um, prisoners transferred to 
Um, not come over like, hey, come over, we'll have we'll have tapas. Um, <laughs> but to become a Nazi, he had prisoners transferred uh, to Mittelbrau Dora. Uh, the French resistance declined. Um, <laughs> Why? <laughs> because <laughs> principles. Uh, because it is possible. Um, a conflict with uh, Himmler, uh, who was the head of the SS, and public comments about the course of the war that were labeled uh, defeatist. He basically was like, oh, Germany doesn't have a chance, really, uh, in the 1944-45. And his comment said, he was like, we should really be focusing more on space. If I'd been, if I'd been allowed to do space stuff, this would be better. <laughs> um, yeah, if we, if we were going to the moon instead of, say, bombing London to the yes. ground. <laughs> um, I, I did write in my notes, defeatist and pro-space. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I'd say that's also my worldview. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. Honestly, I'm very pro space, pretty, uh, pretty defeatist, very anti Holocaust. That's the difference. <laughs> um, so uh, all of that, but primarily the conflict with Himmler, it seems, led to von Braun being arrested by the Gestapo uh, in March of 1944, uh, and he was held for two weeks. Um, and he's eventually like reinstated by um, Albert Speer, and um, his... famously the Nazi who apologized, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the um, sort of um, munitions commander. Yeah, and uh, Albert Speer and one other person who was sort of working with him at Penamunde, um, they intervened with Hitler to be like, he's too important, <laughs> and Hitler was like, sure, whatever, um, and. <laughs> I'm on all Fam- sorts of drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Famously, he stoned Hitler. Yeah. Um, well, no, I mean, like, Hitler definitely took a lot of weird drugs. Oh, yeah. He had this standing order not to be awakened before he naturally woke up. And on oh, what? On D-Day, uh, he was not aware of the invasion until hours later because he was asleep until like noon or something like that. That's fucking dope. <laughs> I mean, I guess. <laughs> I'd like all everything else aside. I want that in my life. <laughs> Hitler. The moral of the story is Hitler's a lot dumber than people think he was. Yes. <laughs> he was yeah. not smart. He's just like kind of lucky. Yeah, he was more like a Forrest Gump figure who happened to be in the right place at the right time, but yeah. also wanted bad shit. A true a true German story. Yeah. <laughs> so after after being reinstated is when uh, Von Braun makes a plan with his staff that they would be transferred uh, further west uh, so that they could surrender to the Americans rather than the Soviets. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Because Penamunde was is on an island, uh, basically almost right on the border with like, uh, like Pol, or where like the Baltic states are. I fucking love that. Yeah. Like, you know what? We're not going to survive if the Russians fucking capture us. Yep. Let's take our, our chances with the capitalist Americans. Yeah. So um, they they get transferred west. Well, before they leave, they hide all of their documentation about the V2 rocket in like caves in the area. Mm. And so they surrender to the Americans on at a town called 
I can't read my handwriting. A town in the Alps um, on April 29th, 1945. It was like, hey, go get our stuff. Um, and the Americans <laughs> Wait, go. And really? Ret- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, – oh, no. We're captured. Oh, they're forcing the information out of me. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't get my rocket blueprints. They're in that cave over there. Well, oh, exactly. I've said too much. Like the the Americans flew, or not flew, they like flew and snuck von Braun in by train two days before the handover of that territory to the Soviets uh, to like get all the stuff out. Um, and so uh, – this is where Operation Paperclip, or Project Paperclip, depending on where you're reading it, comes in, um, which was the American government program, which brought uh, Nazi scientists, engineers, uh, to the U.S., um, which was a little over 1,600 uh, scientists, Nazi scientists total. Uh, there was a similar Soviet program uh, that brought over 2,000 uh, that was, let's call it slightly less voluntary. <laughs> um, so Von Braun is eventually moved to Fort Bliss in El Paso. The American public doesn't know he's there until 1946 when a colleague, like a newspaper reporter, spoke to a colleague of his and wrote an article uh, with the headline, quote, German scientist says American cooking tasteless, dislikes rubberized chicken. Uh, <laughs> and that's how people found out Werner fucking Von Braun was in the U.S. <laughs> like uh, fucking Albert Einstein was like, hey, this is fucked. Um, and so was John Dingle, uh, the congressman uh, senior, not, not his kid. Um, mainly at Fort Bliss, um, what his team did was trained – uh, others on like rocketry and ballistic missiles. They refurbished V2s that they had captured from Germany and sent them to New Mexico for testing. And then he's there for five years and he's like, in his recollection, he's like, I didn't like it there <laughs> because they they didn't respect me enough, <laughs> which is uh, anyway. Um, in 1950, the Korean War breaks out, and he and his team are transferred to Huntsville, Alabama, where they work on the Redstone rocket, um, which is used. That's for- not going to work. It, it works pretty well. Um, it's used for the first. Uh, it's used for the. <laughs> oh God damn it! <laughs> if, if this were Minecraft, um, <laughs> it's uh, used for the first live uh, tests of U.S. nuclear ballistic missiles. He describes 1945 through 57 as kind of a difficult time for Hmm. him, partially because the U.S. was falling behind to the Soviets. Uh, Sputnik was launched in that time, which we'll discuss on a later episode uh, and things like that. And he was just like feeling real out of place (laughs) being forcibly removed from his home. (laughs) Fancy that. In this time, he begins like a really public push for... Uh, crude space flight. Um, he proposes an, I- an idea... with a W? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> he proposes an idea for a space station in Collier's Magazine. Uh, he writes a novel about a Mars mission that was, like, never published because it was apparently not that good uh, <laughs> as a novel. 
I don't know why it explicitly states no Jews on the space station, <laughs> but... Um, yeah. <laughs> he, um, he made a series of films about space travel with Walt Disney, uh, yeah. famously... Um, also, totally cool guy uh, with cool ideas <laughs> about stuff. Uh, he was a eugenicist. Anyway. Uh, that was my goofy laugh. Anyway. <laughs> that, that was your goofy laugh. <laughs> okay. um, now I have the fucking su- after today from the goofy movie stuck in my head. Anyway, um, he um, he even put forth an idea that his space station could be used for orbital warfare. Uh, he was like, I'm against this idea, but it could be used this way. This is the fucking only way people want to spend money on my shit. Which so. is, it's the U.S. government and the Cold I mean, War, so, yeah. And to be fair, that's how it worked for him before, you know. Star yeah. Wars, baby. He did seem to, honestly, if he could have had the choice of working purely on space travel. It seems like he would have done that, but... Um, the mean old Nazis, so. me. <laughs> oh, mean Nazis. Uh, <laughs> in 1960, he was... Uh, again, I'm making fun of Von Braun in this instance. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, like, the Nazis legitimately pretty mean. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just to be clear, listener, we're not punching down on Nazis. No, nope, uh, yes, we are. <laughs> we are. <laughs> We are, yeah. No, I'm saying people who are like, the Nazis made me do it. It's like, most of those people, it's like, yeah, they did make you do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, We're also taking hard moral stances like we would not have our arms spent by. Yeah, I mean. I don't know about you, Brian, but I am an inherent coward. Uh, I'm also Jewish enough that I would have been killed, though. So Yeah, and yeah, I mean, it's. It is always, like I said, hard to say what people's tr- true beliefs are versus what they were. Obviously, yes. It's it's extremely difficult to see what you would do in a situation like that without that being in that situation. Is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, in 1960, he is transferred to NASA to work on the Mercury project, which used the Redstone rockets. Uh, one instance he was involved in was the famous four-inch flight. Uh, hello. Um, it's not the size of the space flight. It's how you use it. Man, oh, man. Uh, uh, we almost got out of there without someone making that joke. Technical difficulties. Uh, <laughs> um, which was a flight of about four inches um, due to a failure because one of the workers on the spaceship filed the end of a power socket too narrow and it sent a signal to cut off the engines. But he was involved in the Mercury Project, which eventually put a man in space. His sort of desire to have a more conservative approach and do more testing and have more like safety fallbacks on the rocket did sort of lead to the Russians getting the first person in space. But it also, in the long run, produced better working rockets. He also he then was involved in developing the Saturn rockets, which were... Um, what the Apollo program used. And since we'll get into that on a later episode, I'm not going to dwell too much on that. He was responsible for establishing the U.S. Space and Rocket Center in Huntsville, Alabama, and in helping invent the concept of space camp. So, No, really? Yup. Oh, no! 
Yep. Um, so that's Legends of the Hidden Temple. How could you do this to me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> First, I find out about Jan Sports, and now this. I don't know. I, the I, dark I, secrets behind Jan Sports? They're made out of Jans. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, if only people knew. He died of cancer. In 1977. I say which, that like he's... Yeah, I was going <laughs> to... you betting on... Uh, one of the articles I read did say he died unex, uh, unexpectedly early of cancer, but he was also 65 in 1977, um, which he's... Um, there's a number of towns with streets named after him. There's craters named after him on the moon and on Mars. And there's all sorts of, like, science centers and shit named after him. And then there's one, a what was described as a science gymnasium Ooh. Um, in Friedberg, like uh, a, Germany. Like a gymboree? No fucking idea. <laughs> I think it's just a library. Like a discovery uh, zone? Yeah, a discovery <laughs> zone. It's a fucking Spencer's Gifts when they have a fucking <laughs> lightning on. ball. Don't fucking group discovery zone and Spencer's <laughs> Gifts together. I'll, I'll do what I want. <laughs> um, so the science gymnasium in Friedberg was named for him and then finally renamed in 2014 uh, due to the efforts of some uh, Holocaust survivors. Um, and that is the story of Werner von Braun, Nazi. Mm. Okay. Well, that's one version of the story. Mm-hmm. I think Nate might have... Uh, a slightly different version. I sure Theoretically. do. Theoretically. Slightly is uh, maybe an understatement. Okay. First of all, not a Nazi. <laughs> First, I want to say that the Holocaust is not... Werner von Braun is also gonna... known as Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Believed in space travel and <laughs> Medicare for all. All right. So, Werner von Braun. Uh, so most people know that the Nazis were very interested in arcane and magical research. Um, Indiana Jones do- certainly knew it. Yeah. <laughs> and Hitler was uh, devoutly, in- well, not devoutly, but looked into possible arcane sure. solutions to immort- immortality and making his army stronger. Uh, most people don't know that the Nazis were also very interested in scientific research. Uh <laughs> Okay. <laughs> including the important discovery of uh, disproving eugenics as a whole. Uh, no hypotheses are valid hypotheses. Um, but the Nazis were extremely interested in the combination of the two, leading into uh, scientific and arcano-based solutions, including runic-empowered steel for their weapons, uh, soldiers enchanted with true sight, and, of course, the soul-powered engine, which, <laughs> unfortunately, only got about 12 miles to the gallon. Is, is Ulfric Stormcloak involved in this in any way? <laughs> um I don't know who that is, but I want to read God whatever novel damn. series it is. I'm also curious, how many souls are in a gallon? Oh, uh... I... Eight. <laughs> it's eight. Yeah. So there's, uh, uh, there's two souls per quart. That's the thing. That's the conversion. We all know yeah. a soul weighs seven pounds, so... Um, okay. So a soul will get you a little over a mile. Yeah. 
Like one point two five miles. Um. So the uh, uh, Nazis employed many uh, research science wizards, but none more knowledgeable and heartless than the inventor of the Jew candle, Werner von Braun. <laughs> True fact about Werner. <laughs> um, he made candles out of people as a hobby. Um, but we'll uh, peel back time for a second and go to uh, Werner von Braun as a young man. Uh, on a trip to Berlin, uh, found uh, a presentation and was utterly fascinated by uh, Gregory Rasputin, who came Mm. uh, across Europe attempting to find a successor, bragging, of course, about his deal with the devil to live forever. Now, you might uh, recall Rasputin from, I think, like, episode five of this <laughs> podcast. It was uh, later than that. It was in our Russian history series. It was probably around the 20s. Oh, I thought it was like a Halloween episode. Eh, maybe not. Maybe it was. Like it. Yeah. What's the true history of Rasputin? Oh, wow, it was so fucking long ago. I don't uh, it's been on. three and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> I think he five. made That's a deal with... one episodes ago. <laughs> he might have made a deal with Satan or something like that. I mm. think that actually did happen in it. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Michael Carlick, thanks for that one. Oh, man, I miss that guy. Um, of course, uh, making a deal with the uh, devil was, of course, a lie. Uh, Gregory Rasputin had actually used uh, what would become Crowley and Hermetic Magic to increase his charisma to a point to uh, seduce Baphomet into giving him uh, an undying heart and uh, an enormous penis. I remember now, Rasputin did make some kind of weird deal with the devil to be immortal. And then eventually when he died, he was reincarnated as the Chupacabra and Vladimir Putin. Yes. <laughs> and the Chupacabra traveled with Trotsky to Mexico. Wow. So That's I remember so that. true because yeah. I've, I've never seen the Chupacabra and Putin in the same room at the same <laughs> yeah, time. That's true. It works out. Yep. <laughs> Wait, that doesn't mean they can't even be in the same room at the same time. Though. They're just fucking reincarnated into two fucking different people. Uh, it's not like a fucking... Okay. Uh, so that began uh, Werner von Braun's uh, extreme interest in the uh, magical arts. And the dark arts. And like any young man, Werner was also fascinated by explosions, trains, and mechanics. Um, as that is just a, something that is inherent in most of humanity. Um, meanwhile... I remember reading a, some tweet that was like, if you, were a, if you were a young boy child, you were either a plane kid, a train kid, or a car kid. Or a dinosaur kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like Dinosaur Kid is included in Plane Kid for me. I don't... I, <laughs> Wait, hold... I'm a Dinosaur what? Plane Kid. I also disagree with the premise. I, I liked <laughs> monsters and shit. I don't I mean, give a it's fuck. not science. I mean, I... <laughs> I was a big Beast Wars, guys. I get it. Like, you yeah. want... You can have both, where... If you're both... a boy child, you have an interest <laughs> in something. <laughs> That's the difference between men and women, is that uh, no. boys typically have interests where <laughs> girls I, I Again, he's just getting my goat, y'all. <laughs> I've already got his goose. Uh, That's the one. That's what I said. Ah, boy. I really... 
facetious sexism and Nazism is still uh, still Nazism and sexism, huh? Yeah, it turns out. Oh, boy. Yeah, at some <laughs> point, people who voted at for some point, Trump, ironically, trolling and genuine sexism are indistinguishable from each other uh, <laughs> and accomplish the same goal. <laughs> I, I want listeners to know it's just me saying bigoted things in the spongebob meme voice in my head yeah but uh spongebob meme uh there's a meme of spongebob bent over and all the capitalization is alternated yeah as like uh, use the fucking internet sometimes yeah yeah Yeah. anywho (laughs) uh i want to see you use that in court (laughs) (laughs) it was spongebob based a landmark court de- uh, decision today. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, go the on. The People versus, versus S. Bob <laughs> of Bikini Bottom. Um, okay. Meanwhile, uh, in America, the secret Canadian-American war kept both countries largely out of World War II. Uh, this was basically over the sovereignty of uh, Wisconsin and other major areas. Um the uh, the U.S. Canada Magnus tr- uh, Treaty was struck uh, right before the two uh, actually entered into the World War, uh, in which uh, C- Canada received the regenerative powers that are inherent to Niagara Falls, but uh, U.S. got the exclusive rights to the true name of cheese uh, at the cost of Tesla's souls. Uh, which were lost in the battle for Lake Michigan. Um, and of course, if you know something's true name, you have its power. Yes. That, that is, of course, what led to the invention of American cheese, the truest monstrosity uh, made from uh, arcane technologies. <laughs> uh, with- Wizard of Earthsea, everyone. <laughs> this all, of course, uh, left a, a void in the scientific uh, magical community of America. Um, But we uh, must go back to young Werner, who at the time had uh, begun his schooling in the Berlin Arcane Technology and Trade Institute. Uh, I see you figuring it out. (laughs) Go on. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Uh, In which... Uh, he began, as young, many young men in college do, to experiment with love. Uh, specifically, uh, its arcane potential as a fuel source. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah, fuel source for albums, poetry, uh, <laughs> haircuts, bad haircuts. Um, he had, at the time, been seeing a uh, young woman... Uh, of the name Nazdia Soloviev, uh, a distant re- relative to Grigori, uh, his hero. But uh, he excised his love for uh, Nazdia and, in association, Russia as a whole, uh, using it to develop what would eventually turn... Uh, uh, prototypes for his love-powered rockets. (laughs) As we all know, love is the most powerful force. God fucking damn it. (laughs) Um, 
and harnessing it as a fuel for uh, massive directional rockets and bombs created uh, a turning point in the war. <laughs> yeah, just like harnessing fucking the Jedi dyad or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever J.J. Um, Abrams made up. Now there's life transference. It's fine. Listen, you guys were the ones who did an episode about Nazis. I don't uh, know what you're upset about. No, no, no. I'm just making, I'm just mad about Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm I'm just mad about Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Um, what was Finn uh, going to tell her? Doesn't matter. We won't resolve it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I kind of gave up on the Star Wars series uh, a while ago. <laughs> Smart I mean, you move. missed out on the high point for me and the then a gut punch. <laughs> I mean, the fucking, um, the most recent, the, the first of the sequels. Uh, yeah. I forget what it's called. The Rise Force of Awakens. Question mark? Force Awakens. Force Awakens was good. They had some really great uh, actual, uh, like, what uh, uh, practical effects, which are my kink. Um, but the, the they got very Kingdom of the Crystal Skullsy in the end. Hmm. With Rise of Skywalker, Rise of Skywalker, and I will say even the second half of Force Awakens. Uh, yeah, kind of got very toy and uh, uh, yeah. theme park well, ride centric. It is ultimately a capitalist venture to sell toys, so. <laughs> Aimed at children, so... Well, uh, as a boy who cried at the death of Optimus Prime, I don't know what you're talking about. Meanwhile, But let us continue with the story of Werner right. Von Uh Meanwhile, back in the United States, uh, I, Einstein had been captured, uh, the avatar of the neutron in the human form, uh, and uh, Congress had de- met the demands of the Oppenheimer death cult uh, in order to begin their uh, testing of rocketry and uh, nuclear fission. But as part of the Treaty of Versailles, um, the uh, scientist, Werner von Braun, was traded over to America uh, all as part of the uh, secret arcane Illuminati history of the world. Uh, he For a fourth round draft pick also. Yes. <laughs> uh, first they got Hitler's corpse, and then uh, the head of Himmler in a tank. And Anthony Davis. <laughs> Sorry, sports jokes. Jesus, wasn't expecting that. Um. And uh, having destroyed his love of both uh, his uh, Russian wife and love of the motherland Russia uh, in his experiments with the fuel source of uh, agape and uh, relative relationship love, uh, Werner was transferred over to America and bounced around from military bases until he began work in uh, Project Paperclip, um, which uh, helped develop... You see my notes? Okay. No, Brian is shaking his head. Because uh, I was going to do the same fucking thing. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, no, go for it. <laughs> uh, Project Paperclip, in which he uh, contributed in a large way to the American space race, 
uh, but also managed to develop a arcane familiar, which would go on to become the uh, word processor assistant Clippy. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it! Uh, <laughs> I saw you grab your notebook in like a flurry <laughs> at some point and i assume that's what that was <laughs> oh man yeah there were points as well like project paperclip never heard of that i got a dumb joke uh, yeah uh and eventually Werner von braun uh was uh killed by uh Nazi hunters, as you can see in the Amazon original series, hunters, um, who are sponsoring this episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you, episode. Uh, thank you, Mr. Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> his uh, soul was put into his life's work, uh, uh, the Soul Power Rocket, uh, which uh, alchemized his love uh, of science and space, sending him off to die in the Challenger 1 explosion. Oh my god. <laughs> Challenger 1. I don't fucking... <laughs> and not 2. Electric boogaloo. You guys are the historians. <laughs> you could have just I'm said just Challenger. Idiot who wants to make a secret history of the United States. <laughs> I, mean, I don't thing. know. I don't know if Challenger 1 is wrong, and I don't know if it's right, but if you had just said Challenger, I would have been like, yeah, everybody knows what the Challenger is. <laughs> Your specificity that, was your undoing. Yeah, I do like the idea of possibly leaving a door open to Challenger too. <laughs> the revenge. I'm just saying there might have been a first Challenger that went fine, and then like on two or three, the explosion happened. I'm not really sure. Also, this time the Earth explodes. <laughs> Challenger mission to Moscow. Citizens on patrol. <laughs> <laughs> You fucking moron. <laughs> uh, Nate, thank you. Yeah, this was more fun for me to write a sort of a John Hodgman uh, <laughs> secret history of the United States yeah. uh, version. Uh, more information than you require uh, novel. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we move on, listeners, um, I just want to say, hey, you can uh, help support this show and help us shoot up into space uh, by <laughs> pledging on our Patreon page. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I never should stop doing the pre-recorded ones. <laughs> um, yeah, if you want more quality content, like a clippy familiar, uh, please. I'm not on DayQuil this time also, so I have no excuse. Um, uh, man, we can see the Skype window with Zach in it, and just his disappointed expression has made this entire podcast work. It's been a long day. I woke up early to cat cat piss in my house, so I gotta. It's yeah, yeah. I only got so much steam left in the tank. <laughs> I need a few souls to get me the last few miles. Yeah, <laughs> gotta crack open a soul. I will uh, say those twelve miles highway, so it's not even. You know, uh, yeah. Uh, not Real worth bad. it. Mm-hmm. But uh, no greenhouse well, gases. Might as well just so... take the soul train. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can also reach us at revision. <laughs> you can also reach us at revisionistpodcast.com uh, and on uh, social media. And hey, review the podcast on your podcast service of choice. Reviewing the podcast is super helpful, especially written reviews. So write. Mm-hmm. 
whatever. Write your <laughs> puns about the SS and horse riding. I don't know. Yeah. Write about uh, Soul Train. You know, soul means of transportation. It doesn't matter <laughs> what you write. It just matters that you write it. So please do that. Have you guys gotten any one-star reviews? Yes. yes. One. Me too. Okay. So I have seven five seven reviews total. Six of them are five-star, and I have one one-star review. I think we have, we we have, have a one few. one-star, one four-star, and the rest are five. Yeah, I think we'd have a two-star in there too. Um, but yeah. Anyway. What um, the heck? Whoever is giving Denver podcasts one-star reviews, fuck off. Oh, yeah. No, there's a two in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then 75 stars. So, you know. Ooh. Uh, look at Mr. I have. Uh, yeah, just doing some quick delegate math. Um, so if you, Nate, if, you, uh, if you spread that over the length of how long we've been doing this podcast, <laughs> it's not good. I mean... There's worse. Um, Obama was president when we started this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, You, uh, in addition to take care of yourself, Mm -hmm. uh, you also have a weekly improv show? Yeah. So uh, uh, next week uh, on March 1st, Friday, um, me and my team, Cool Church, will begin hosting the competitive uh, improv tournament uh, no DQ in which two improv teams get uh, a specific challenge to do and uh, the whoever delivers the better performance under the conditions like having to do musical improv only using one quarter of the stage or mm-hmm. so on and so forth uh, moves on to the next week and if you win a certain number of rounds in a row you will get uh, money so oh. If you think you're funny and can get at least one other person to support you in that, you can come and try and throw down your luck. 10 p.m. Graffenberg Theater in uh, uh, Denver. (laughs) (laughs) I will also say, uh, for Take Care of Yourself, our last two episodes, we had Brian on, of course, uh, recently. Uh, And then we had uh, Denver Killers' Ben Duncan and uh, after this episode comes out, we'll have one uh, with Lauren Dufault, who is one of the better improvisers in the city. Hell yeah. And by killers, he means good at comedy. Yes, not I'm sorry. <laughs> Just to clarify. <laughs> not um, mutually exclusive, but okay. <laughs> um, not usually that- required. We're usually multi-skilled. Uh, <laughs> almost said multi-class. Which, listeners, uh, I think you... It's evident by now what kind of person I am. Fucking yeah. Nerds. They're triple threats. They're good at improv, comedy, and murder. And one of the <laughs> threats is much bigger than the other two. <laughs> um, it, you know, the grind, my man. You know. <laughs> yeah, 10,000 hours. Um, <laughs> Zach, uh, Little Women, modern audio drama is still uh, right. playing out new episodes. Yeah, for another couple weeks. I think I think maybe at the time of the release of this episode, uh, the final episode is scheduled to come out in around 10 days, two weeks, something like that. So it's wrapping up. But yeah, by former friend of the podcast, Shannon Camp, also my girlfriend, I have a part in the audio drama as <clears throat> the Lori character. Uh, yeah, so that's wrapping up soon. But you can listen to the whole backlog wherever podcasts is. 
question. Is it like a, a Little Women reenactment kind of thing, reimagining in the modern day? It is uh, a reenactment in the modern day um, that started coming out some month, a couple months before the movie came out. She also has bonus episodes about the backstory of the novel, about Louise May Alcott, about various adaptations of the movie and of the book, including the newest movie, all that kind Straight. of stuff. Yeah, it's so. a very, very good show. Yeah, and it's got a full voice cast for every character. It's, you know. Dang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as for me, listeners, um, find me on social media for as long as I'm there still, uh, because it's a nightmare. Um, and oh. apparently Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Can I plug, uh, I am unfunnyoaf, at unfunnyoaf, across all platforms. Perfect. Um, and judgment falls to Zach this episode. Uh, it's, you know, the real Von Braun was, uh, deeply involved in Nazis and the SS. And that's, that's less fun than having Clippy become a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> True. So I think I'm going to go with the alternate in this particular case and have a little... Souls are a valid means of energy now. So is love. Clippy's mm-hmm. a real living entity that exists somewhere in the world. What happened to him? Maybe he can show up in a future alternate history. His soul uh, was burned up in the Challenger explosion. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot that Clippy's soul was burned up. At the... he, <laughs> Regardless. He exists no more on Earth, Heaven, or Hell. Okay. He was banished from existence itself. He is in none of the planes of existence. Not the astral plane, not hell, not the abyss. He's no fucking Ghost Rider's penance stare. (laughs) Regardless, that Clippy once walked the earth is better than Clippy never having walked the earth at all. Yeah, it's better it is better to have clippied and lost than to have never clippied at all. (laughs) Oh, dumb. Uh, Anyway, Zach, thank you. Of course, yeah. All right. Nate, thank you as well. Oh, I'm not done. <laughs> well, we gotta go. <laughs> For everyone here at The Revisionist, I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And I've been Nate Earl. <laughs> okay, let's get into this clippy shit. Have a good time, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Click here if you want to have a good time. <laughs> it looks like you're trying to end a podcast. <laughs> can, how can I help? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.